Oh, man. So good to see you, you guys. So good to see you. I mean, it. well, we, we sure picked a great day for Biker Sunday, didn't we? You know, um, I was worried about that because so many people ride their bikes in and all that. So we knew when we saw the forecast that uh, we wouldn't have the bikes we normally do. But I, uh, I thank those of you who, who drove here, maybe not on a motorcycle, but you still are an enthusiast and you enjoy riding. And uh, Joe, where did you go? Joe and the boys here. Oh, you guys, thank you. These guys always help us. They're, this is a group of riders that just have meant so much to our church through the years. Would you just give it up for Joe Yubara and the Brotherhood? Really means a lot. The Brotherhood. I, I, I like what they do and what they're about. And then, uh, and then I have my friend Jason. Jason, just stand up for a second. Would you just stand up? Michelle's proud uh, here. He, 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 he's on the, the dirt bike here. He's on the dirt bike. It sounds like a sewing machine, but it runs good. That's his word. That's his word. He, he's a great guy. I, I love him. Thank you. We, we're celebrating all types of motorcycles. Now, I got to just tell you um, how all this kind of came about. We, in my history, motorcycles were separate from God. And my dad was kind enough when I was 10 years old to buy me a tote goat. Do you guys know what a tote goat is? It's a little machine about this tall that was red and about that wide of a seat that went all the way back with little tires about that big around that were tractor tires. And they just were tiny little tractor tires and it had low gear and high gear. And it would climb up a telephone pole like straight up. It was just real strong. Briggs, Briggs and Stratton engine, pull start. It's like a, a lawnmower with big tires on it, you know, that you sat on. And I started riding that thing. We lived on an acreage that was connected to land that was belonged to the county. And there were these little dirt roads. And I started riding that tote goat around and got to where I could, I could do a lot of fun things. I could climb a lot of hills. And, and then my dad saw that I was improving and I asked him for a, a little bigger bike. And we went shopping. I saved up some money. I think I put $30 toward it. But when you're 11, right? Back in the day, that's been 20 years ago or so. <laughs> yeah, so, so I got a Honda 90, a step-through yellow Honda 90 automatic transmission. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Look at you. Look at you. Thank God for the Honda 90s. Then I moved to a Honda 90 black clutch four-speed. So now I had a clutch I could do burnouts in the gravel. And then I bought a Kawasaki 120. And now I was cruising. I was moving. And then I, and then I, I don't even remember all the dirt bikes that I had through the years. And, and when my dad passed away, he died of cancer when I was 14. I had two, four sisters, two older, two younger. I sort of got lost in motorcycle world. And I started really getting involved in the dirt track. And in, in the, we lived in Grand Junction on the Western Slope where there's so many hills to climb out there. If you've ever been out on that range and we would ride, we, we lived in a place where I had access to that entire desert. And I'd come home from school and just ride for hours. And uh, I started to realize that I loved God. I genuinely loved God and I loved motorcycles, but it seemed like two completely different 
worlds. And uh, when I met Bonnie in high school, who's my wife now, and part of the joy of, of getting married and having kids and growing up was that I, I bought a Suzuki 250 when I was in college because we needed good gas mileage because we made like zero money. Anybody remember those days? And I still remember the day in which Bonnie would see me off. She had a full-time job paying me, paying my way through college, and I was working 30 to 40 hours a week, taking 18 credit hours, so we were busy. And I remember a day much like today in Springfield, Missouri, when it was raining. And I always had my uh, Suzuki chained to a post, which was part of the, the awning that hung over our tiny little apartment, and so it wouldn't get stolen. I remember... It was raining and I dreaded getting on that bike. It was only two miles to the college, but I knew I would be soaked. And so we had our coffee, we walk out, she's standing at the door. I say, bye honey, she says, bye, I'm going off to college. The man of God is leaving the house. I'm gonna study to be a pastor. I, I, I said, I gotta make this fast. I've got my books in my little backpack. And man, I start up that bike and I take off, forgetting that the chain was still hooked to the tire and the entire post just went wham and I came to an abrupt stop fell on my side papers went overwhere and my wife was laughing that's that's really what what happened so through the years I began to make a connection with the the, the whole thing in the biking world if you're not you know if you don't know what that is there's a word that attached itself to it years ago and the word is freedom and freedom is something that has been a part of the legacy of America. And motorcycles and freedom almost, you know, if, you've, if you grew up riding, it almost became like a synonymous to gathering together. And my freedom was truly found in Christ. And so it was powerful to me to be around these guys and gals who would express their freedom through riding motorcycles. And yet the real freedom that I found was in this Jesus Christ who became the Lord of my life. So we got married. I really couldn't afford to have a motorcycle raising kids. How many of you are at that stage of your life, you know? And so it's like a lot of that stuff sort of goes away for a while. But uh, we had this annuity that expired, and it was $16,000. And that's a lot of money for us. We were just starting out being pastors here, and, and, and we didn't make a lot of money. And I said to Bonnie, I think I have a plan for that $16,000. And she said, oh, what is it? I said, a Harley. And she said, who's he? No, she didn't say that. <laughs> and that was in 1996. And, and those of you that have been around a while remember Harleys were hard to find then. You had to order them and wait a year and they couldn't make them fast enough. They were really popular at the time. I said, honey, I'll buy this bike, and in five years when Ryan goes off to college, I'll sell it for the same amount that I bought it for, and we will have had five or six years of pleasure and enjoyment. So we rode it for six years, and um, when Ryan turned 18 and was going off to college, I put an ad in the paper and sold it for $16,000 in one day. And I said, thank you, God. And that, that got us kind of hooked. She loves to ride. And so uh, on my 50th birthday, she bought me a, a motorcycle. And we've been riding ever since. And then we got this guy um, because my other bike wasn't very comfortable. 
So we sold it. This has a full back seat kit on it. So we really do enjoy it. Why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you this. Here's why. Because God is not frustrated when you love doing life on this earth. Especially when you're not doing life badly or poorly. And today symbolized that freedom we have in the Lord, but also that freedom we have of expression in our country. There was a guy who went to his dad in Luke chapter 15, and he said, Dad, you're worth a lot of money, and I'd like my share now. And his dad said, well, what's the purpose? He said, I just, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm tired of living on the farm. I, I want my own money, and, and give it to me now. And his dad said, okay. So he, he gave him his inheritance. And the guy left, and the guy squandered his life. Have you ever heard the phrase, the good, the bad, and the ugly? The good was that this guy definitely went out and decided to step out on his own, be himself, and have his own identity. That's a good thing. But he squandered his life, and that's the bad. He slept with prostitutes. He spent all his money. He lived in a way that did not honor God at all. That so often happens when people think freedom means indulgence. Freedom does not mean indulgence. Freedom means that I live in the empowerment of the Spirit with the restrictions that the Word of God puts on my life. And the boundaries are big inside so that I never get locked up and trapped by addiction, by selfism, by materialism. All of that stuff can grab you and take your freedom away. And that's what happened to him. And he wakes up in a pig pen. He's eating the food from the pigs. They call it the prodigal son. Have you ever heard this story? He didn't know what to do. He was out of options. He was out of money. And he thought to himself. The Bible literally says he came to himself. And, and he, he woke up and he said, even my servants, the servants of my dad have it better than I have it. I'm going to go back and ask to be a servant in my father's house. He gets back to the house. But before he got there, as he was walking down the road, there's a passage down around verse 20 of Luke 15. It simply says that his dad saw him coming. And it says, he ran out to meet him. Here's a dad who every day is longing for a relationship with his lost son. And he finally sees him. This is a picture of our Heavenly Father. And he takes off down the road. And he gets to his son. And I'm sure he has tears in his eyes. And he says, my son, you were lost, but now you're found. He says, bring, bring the robe. Bring the sandals. Bring, bring the ring, the signet ring of the family. Kill the fatted calf. This son who was lost has now been found. And they start to have a party. And the elder brother comes home. Remember this part of the story? And he is not happy. He won't even go in the house. He won't even talk to his brother. His dad comes out to get him and calm him down. And he says, 
Who do you think you are? Who does he think he is? After squandering all of his inheritance and all of your money by sleeping with prostitutes and living this horrible life, you kill the fattened calf for him and you have a party? You've never had a party for me. Now we have a new prodigal. Isn't it ironic that the one who was lost came home, now he was found, now the one who was home is now outside the house and won't go in. Where are you? Who best describes your life? I've never run away from God. I've never been that guy that says, I'm sick of God. I'm going to go do drugs and live that kind of a life. I've never done that. I'm thankful that I don't have those scars. But I've had a few times inside the house when bitterness can grow, anger can grow. Someone does me wrong. Someone says something mean about me. Someone, all of us have those moments. What God looks at is the heart. And that's what you need to have today in order to present yourself to God to say, I need your healing in my body, in my life, in my mind. I want that. I, uh, through the years, I've ridden with a lot of different groups. And I know when to leave the party and I know when to say goodbye to certain groups. And I don't ride with too many people anymore just because my life's a little different now. But I was talking to a guy who's become my friend who I love deeply and I appreciate him and he, uh, he has a story and I, I started to ask him, Richard, what, what is sort of your story? And he started to tell me and the more we talked, I, I thought you need to, to hear his story. So welcome Richard Shirley up here. So, um, Richard wrote in with us today, and uh, first of all, I want you to tell, I want you to tell him about your first motorcycle and that whole experience of how you got involved in bikes. It's a great story. So, my mom, like most moms, was anti-motorcycle. How many of you relate to that? Okay. Go moms. Go moms. They're wise. We lived about five blocks from our elementary school and I went down there to play with some guys and there was a dude there with a trail 70. Yep. And he's like, do you want to ride it? And I'm like, sure. I'd never ridden motorcycles. Um, I knew how to stay balanced. I could ride a bicycle. So I jumped on this thing and took off across the field and realized that I didn't know where the brakes were. <laughs> and I'm headed right towards a backstop and I laid that puppy down and crashed into that thing, cut through my eyelid, didn't get into my eye. Now I'm super panicked because I got to go home, explain to my mom and dad what happened. So I made up this story where I was fishing, <laughs> and I had this pocket knife, and I was cutting the line and got into my eye. Most people just cut their eye right there with the knife when they're fishing. So. It and happens they, all the time. They believed you, though. Yes, they did. Because you like to go fishing. Yeah, I did. So, so that's sort of your beginning with motorcycles. Yep. And then it ends up that you sort, of, uh, you sort of met this lady who sort of introduced you to God in your older life. And, and you sat in church. And there was this feeling that came over you. Tell us a little bit about this feeling that I need to respond to this God. Yep. So she invited me to a Baptist church. And I unfortunately don't remember the message but I remember the oh. altar call 
What? Right? <laughs> Man, every time someone gives their testimony, they always say, I don't remember the message. <laughs> to a pastor, it's just heartbreaking. <laughs> I think from now on, I'm going to forget the message and just do the altar call. Just kidding. Oopsie. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, I, they did the altar call, and I, I could not stay in my seat. And it's a... Uh, I, to this day, can't explain it. Uh, I had the whirlies going in my stomach, and I had to get up and go forward. Yeah, and God met you there. Yes, he did. You know, I think that, how many of you have a beginning? You know, there's this something that happens in your life, and God, God chases us down. The dad runs out to get his son. And I, I want to just, I want you to hear me say multiple times today, God is chasing you. You might not be chasing him back. You might be running faster trying to get away from him. But he's faster than you are. And he's going to sneak up on you. Because he's not going to give up. And he's going to keep chasing you and keep chasing you and keep chasing you. Richard ended up moving to California and uh, got into some bad stuff. And this is where Satan comes in and tries to take the good out of our lives. It was pretty bad, wasn't it? It got pretty yep, bad. Yep, I got so. involved with some meth um, that has some deep hooks. Um, couldn't just quit. Um, got married. Um, Kim's father had invited us to come out to Oregon for Thanksgiving. And we went out there in Sisters, Oregon, and just fell in love with it. I mean, it was just so peaceful, and we decided right then and there that that's where we were going to move, and move we did, and got me away from the drugs. And that was kind of a turning point, because even though you, 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 you sort of still were tempted, and you still had some challenges ahead, you got out of that environment. And for some here today, I just want to say, if you're trapped by the people you run with, young people especially, hear me today, pay attention to who you're hanging out with. Pay attention to it. Because we end up becoming like the people we hang out with. So hang out with people that you sort of like to be around. And you sort of appreciate their life and you respect them. And so thank God you got out of there. We wouldn't be sitting here today. Uh, you might be one of those headline stories that didn't make it. But instead, you moved to Oregon. You got a part of a, a starter church. And then you kind of bad thing about motorcycles is there are people who can pull you away. And you met this guy. Yep, a uh, carpenter that I worked with. He was a good friend, um, but he was a real biker um, in a sense that he was, he was hard. Um, but my bike in 2003, we both had had our fill of construction, and we bought a motorcycle jack business and started building jacks and then heading out on the road, selling them. Uh, a lot of the places we went were obviously Reno, you know, Hollister, all across the West Coast. All the bike shows. All the bike shows. How'd that treat you? Um, rough, um, got, fell right back into partying, uh, more so drinking, uh, not into the drugs, but just drinking. Yeah, kind of took away some of those years, but God still had your number. See, I guess I'd like to hear you. How come God didn't just say, oh, I've given him so many chances. What's he doing? Uh, 
He is the perfect father. It's okay. He loves us no matter what. We can mess up. Uh, he's always there, yeah. and he always will be. Yeah. And you felt that? Absolutely. And you knew that he was pulling on you. And you landed long, there's a lot of stuff in between here, but just mm -hmm. for the sake of time, you landed here in Loveland. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. So just to go a little bit before coming here in Loveland, uh, my wife had lost her job um, for Random House Publishing. They wanted us to move to Colorado Springs. We did not want to move to Colorado Springs. So they ended up laying her off and she uh, got a job at Group Publishing in Loveland. And we kind of looked at each other and go, you know, I think God wants us in Colorado. We're going to go. And we did. And boom, you found this place, this church called Timberline Church. Yep. We tried uh, numerous churches. Um, I think it was in 2010 uh, we started coming here. Yep. There was a job opening, and Richard was looking for a job. And we had a job opening on our facilities team. And tell us how that panned out. So I was looking for a full-time job. I was a handyman, um, but it was rough. It's just uh, staying consistently busy was hard. And I was looking for a full-time job, and at the time there was none. There was just a part-time. So I took it just to get my foot in the door. Yeah, right here. Yep, right this, here. This facility. Yes, sir. Have you cleaned every toilet in this building? Twice. <laughs> so just, just to, to, to finish the story, today, Richard Shirley leads our entire facilities team. He's the boss. And yeah. He is such a blessing in his willingness, his heart, his passion. He and Kim have become the servants that you dream about having on your team as a pastor like me. Why? Because God chased him down. God would not let you go. God would not leave you. God has his hand on your life. And I'm just going to ask you to pray for those in this room, Richard. Just lead us in a prayer, however, whatever words you choose to say over people in this room, people listening online, people who will see this later, who just feel like God's chasing them, but they don't quite know what to do with that. Just pray over them that they will say yes to God. Would you? Yes. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the rain. We thank you for every person here, every person listening, Father. Father, I pray that um, everyone would keep running away, would quit running away from you. Yeah allow you into their lives. Let them know that you love them. You will meet them where they're at, and you will love them where they're at. They will be blessed for knowing you. I pray that you open their hearts, their mind, and their spirit to you, Father, and I pray that they would move towards you instead of away. Yeah. Father, we just thank you for you. We thank you for your word. We love you, and we praise you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Say thanks to Richard Shirley, would you? Let it right back. Thanks, buddy. I, uh, I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads one more time because I feel like I feel like God is chasing some of you. God chased me in a different way. God used motorcycles to bring me to understand that He's not a mean God who's mad. He actually loves it when we have fun, when we laugh, when we enjoy our lives. But some of you today need to acknowledge that you're running from God. Whatever that means. It doesn't mean you, you may be doing drugs or alcohol. It might just mean that there's a resistance in you and you don't want to do it His way. And you know it. And, and it's a seed of rebellion in you that you say, I'm, I, don't want, I don't like this. I'm going to do it my way. And God is knocking on your heart and He's chasing you. And you know it. And I'm just going to ask you to surrender today. Just to surrender. It's that simple to say, God, I can't run from you anymore. And even when I do, you're just going to keep chasing me. And I'm going to surrender today, and my life is going to be filled with your will and your blessing. So if you feel like you're running a little bit from God, and you would let me pray over you, would you just stand up right now in this room? I'm not going to have you come up here, but I'm just going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to pray over you in just a second. Just stand. If you know you're running away from whatever it is He's calling you to, just stand. Stay standing just for a few moments. If you know this person who stood and you're comfortable just standing with them and putting a hand on their shoulder, would you do that now? And now I'm going to ask the rest of you church to just stand with me and let's pray over these. Lord Jesus, you're the chaser. And today you caught up with a few people. You've gotten their attention. You're that God who loves and loves and loves and keeps on loving. And you're not going to let them go. And in this moment, let them surrender to you. Those of you that stood, just say, Lord, I surrender to you. I'm glad you found me. I want to do it your way. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my future. Show me how to continue to trust you with every decision, with every aspect of my life. I need you, Lord, and I give it all to you in your mighty name. We praise you, Lord. We thank you. Let's sing it. Let's sing it, church. Sing it from your heart. Let's make this a closing anthem of prayer.
Lord, we thank you for what you've done in this room today. We thank you for the freedom we have in you. We thank you for the joy of our hobbies, these beautiful motorcycles, the conversation, the joy that happens being together. I just ask you, Lord, to be our strength and to show us always, no matter where we are in life, that you chase us down and that you never give up on us, that you will always run after us, no matter what we have done or who we are. In your powerful name we pray, amen. Now listen to some instruction. How many of you, do we have, did, did some of our CMA, Christian Motorcycle Association folks make it? I'm so glad, you guys, thank you so much. They're, these are wonderful people who love God and love you, and they've braved the storm to ride up here to be a part of the blessing of the bikes. Now here's what that is. We're not praying that the Holy Spirit will come and live in the engine of your motorcycle. God lives in, in, in us. But what this is, it's an acknowledgement that God has given you a good gift and for protection and safety and wisdom that you will make good decisions on this bike. And it's called the blessing of the bikes. And so I know not a lot of you could ride today, but we've had you park on the west and east side under the canopies. If your motorcycle's here, uh, CMA would love to pray with you and bless that bike and give you the sticker that says blessed in 23, okay? And so I'm gonna ask you right when we're done here to go out by your motorcycle and just watch for these CMA guys. They have vests, it'll have their name on them. It'll say CMA. And if you guys don't mind just kind of floating around and walking through the bikes and, and just grab them and say, hey, would you come and, and pray with me? And, and the bike's up here as well, if you, guys, if you guys want that. So thank you so much for Biker Sunday, for being here, for loving God. Let love live, that's our theme. Say it with me, let love live. God bless you. Have a good weekend. Thank you.